welcome out there to the Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio. This is going to be a really interesting show, I think, for me, because I'm really putting myself to the test. And uh, to help today, I think, Andrew, are you able to jump in on this and, uh, and have back and forth with me a little sure, bit? Sure, sure, yeah. I'm right here. You've never done it before. And oh. for people that I you know, have, uh, um, have been listening to the show for a while, I've said Andrew is the man who's behind the window that makes the, the voice and the, the sound of this program sound so great. I think today we're going to have a little bit more interaction with you, if that's cool with you, Andrew. Uh, that's fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, if you want, you can tell people a little bit about what you do. If that's cool, I mean, I, I think the back and forth stuff will be will be good. So people may as well know a little bit about you because I know you've been on radio shows here a bunch on WKXL. Yeah, I pop in. I've done a couple interviews, and I pop in every once in a while on you know Kale and Company, and even on here once in a great while. Um, but yeah, I'm just the daytime producer here. I just I help keep things flowing and keep the shows functioning and. Uh, I do, I, you know, I run the recordings and I make sure everything gets on the website and what have you. Well, today you are doing yeoman's work because I am coming to people live and direct from the confines of a rental car in Clearwater, Florida. I am not in uh, New Hampshire with the rest of you folks. The weather up there today, I think, is going to be pretty decent, though, Andrew. Sunny and about 50 degrees. That sound right? Yeah, like high 40s, I think. They were saying like 40, 45, 48, something like that. We'll take it. I looked at the extended forecast in New Hampshire. It looks like winter may, in fact, be over. When I say winter, I mean snow. I don't know. if Maybe there's a little bit coming, but it seems like over the next 10 days, we're getting into the 50s pretty regularly, and that will be the easiest winter of my life, but uh, you know, as I'm here, it's probably 68 degrees and incredibly sunny, and it'll be warming up to the low 70s, so I'm sure uh, people will be looking forward to this type of weather soon enough. For the Boston Celtics, everybody, the league is starting to catch on, and you see, obviously, the betters have already been caught on for a while because Celtics, I think, are plus 240 or something like this to win it all right now from a gambling perspective. The betters out there are taking the Celtics, and why not? Look at what we've done. Saturday night, the NBA brings in Scotty Foster to be the ref of the game. And for people that don't know, Scott Foster is um, the long history of maybe questionable calls to uh, design to keep games close in the playoffs. Some ridiculous statistics that we could refer back to and will come playoff time here uh, for this season. But uh, Saturday night he was there, I think, to help make sure we got a close game. The Celtics visit the New York Knicks, a team that people are talking a lot about. But I don't really understand why, because right now, I mean, the Knicks are short three of their biggest guys. And, I mean, their entire front front court with Robinson being out, Julius Randle being out. I suppose the Knicks put up a decent fight, but in the end, the Celtics just way, way, way too good. And when something along the lines of 118 to 102, I know my daughter had asked me what the final score was. It was right around there. But the Celtics are just, anybody you put in front of them right now, the Celtics are taken down. And it, it gets me a little nervous, I suppose, because everybody now is starting to like the Celtics. And I've been on them all season long as I have been the last four years. But Friday night, what people might not remember is that the Miami Heat played the New Orleans Pelicans. And I wanted to talk about this early in the show here today 
because Jimmy Butler, Friday night, did Jimmy Butler things. And, and it gives me nightmares to, to, to a certain extent. I will tell everybody, on Friday of this week, upcoming, we have a pre-taped episode that will play a back-and-forth conversation between me and the Pistol, one of the uh, regular sports talk callers here to the sports machine with Slim. And the Pistol knows his NBA stuff. And I said, let's listen, let's pre-tape something, and we'll play it this coming Friday. Let's just pretend we're close to the NBA playoffs and look at the seeds, look at the potential matchups, and uh, you know what are the big storylines that will be coming. In the, in the NBA playoffs. And number one, of course, is he's a Miami Heat fan. Just so everybody knows, the Pistol loves him some Miami Heat, and I think that's because they've beaten the Celtics so many times regularly, and he just likes to root against me. But uh, for this upcoming Friday show, we discuss, hey, what would happen if the Celtics play Miami in the first round? Because if you look at the placement right now, Celtics are in the first position. And the Heat are down the bottom around seven or eight. And depending on how the playing stuff goes, the Celts could be matched up against the Heat in the first round. And isn't that just the way it's supposed to be? What I'm going to tell you, though, is Jimmy Butler, you still better be afraid of him. And you see what happens. This game, him and a guy by the name of Najee Marshall from the Pelicans get chest to chest. Najee Marshall grabs Jimmy Butler by the throat. After Kevin Love wrapped up Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson stole the ball. He's going in for, I mean, it's only a three, four step um, jump to the rim after he stole it because it was in the backcourt. He goes up the dunk. Kevin Love wraps him up with two arms. There was nothing aggressive or violent about what Kevin Love did, but Zion unhappy with it, of course, and he kind of falls to the ground um, to protect himself, I think, against being injured more than anything else, not because he knocked off balance or anything, but. Once that happens, then the Pelicans come over and they start, oh, hey, we're going to you know, have a problem with this. You can't be doing this to Zion. At that point, the Heat were up, I think, by like four or five points. Well, you know, theoretically, that should fire everybody up on the Pelicans. No. The Heat go on and beat, beat the Pelicans, 106-95. And after the game, Jimmy Butler is asked about it. Hey, what about this rivalry? Or is, you know, is the next time you play them, the bad blood? What's going to happen? He says, oh, you know, this is just basketball. And he goes, oh, but we'll beat them the next time we play them, too. We'll beat them the next time. And you could see the confidence look on his face. And it's just like, oh, no. People need to remember this. Jimmy Butler, come playoff time, is a different animal. He's just, he is, he's not the same player that he is in the regular season. And we're all so amped up around here now about the Celtics. And I do think we'll, we can still take down the heat. Listen, I'm, not, I'm not saying we can't. But... People need to be worried on some level about the Miami Heat. They've gone to the finals. They did last year as in a seven or eight seed. Like, this team just keeps coming back. And for some reason, we keep doubting them. And I don't really understand why that would be. It just reminds me of Patrick Mahomes this past year. People didn't think he was going to do it. And just winners win. And uh, Miami Heat, I got respect for the folks on the Miami Heat. Andrew, I know you're not much of a sports guy out there, but uh, the the Miami Heat. When I say that, does that think? Do you, do you even know who Jimmy Butler is? Honestly, I I mean, aside from hearing <laughs> you talk and occasionally hearing stuff on the news, I I know very little about Jimmy Butler. 
It's so great. And why would you need to, right? I suppose there's, there's, there's no real improvement in your life by knowing who Jimmy Butler is. It's I, just funny for me. Give you like a, you a rough idea of my sports knowledge. The last time I actively paid attention to any kind of sports religiously in any way was back when I used to work in the sports collectibles business. And that was around the time that... Uh, you know, Pierce and Rondo were all them were playing for the for the Celtics. So, what'd you do in sports collectibles? You used I, to sell baseball cards and basketball oh, cards? cards, autograph memorabilia. We used to do signings, the whole the whole gambit. Oh, cool! Yeah, uh, but that, I mean, you worked with with a friend, or you had your own? No, stuff, I, I worked. I worked for a company. I was I was a third key for a for a franchise place, uh, BC Sports Collectibles. Unfortunately, they are no longer in business, but. Uh, uh, back when I worked for them, they were doing pretty well. Yeah, that's an industry that goes up and down through time. But I didn't know you you worked in that business. It, it is pretty cool. Huh? I mean, people just get so into these hobbies and stuff like that. Like they're willing to pay tens, hundreds of dollars for certain cards. Oh yeah, I mean, we we did autograph signings with some former Sox players, a few Celtics players, uh, some some former Patriots players. I met Vince Wilfork back in the day. Uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. Coming into where was this location? The, the, uh, so the one I worked at, one I worked at was the one in the mall in New Hampshire. Uh, but I went to the one in I I've helped at the one in Concord and a couple other locations. There is a place over in the mall in New Hampshire now. I think called New England Picture. Yeah, I they've been around for a while. There. They they kind of helped tank us. <laughs> Oh, really? well, they got an incredible shop. Yeah, I emailed with the owner over there I know, a month or two ago, and that's, I was when I was in there, I said, whoa, look at this. They got a lot of product and just looks like a real nice, sharp store. So were they in the store at the same time you guys were? Yeah, they kind of moved in, in around the time we were shutting down. Oh, wow. Interesting. Well, yeah, that's uh, we should dive into that at some point here in the, uh, the not-too-distant future. When we're going to commercials, you want to be in charge of being the guy that wraps it up or what? Uh, well, we're actually going into one right now, so... Go ahead and do your thing. You want to read the call letters or you want me to do it? Uh, how about you take care of that? <laughs> All right, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. And you can always listen to us on nhtalkradio.com. We'll go to a break and be right back. like that. Thank you for the cue, and it's so great. This is radio on the fly, Andrew. I appreciate it big time here. To, to jump into the recap from the weekend for people on the sports side of things here. Uh, Friday, I was traveling, so I get to where we're staying Friday night. I watch a little bit of the ESPN highlights, but I didn't watch too much for other, other sports and didn't take too many notes. Saturday, though, I did watch some college basketball, and it is cranking up to college basketball time of the year, people. We've talked about it a few times over the past week or two. Uh, now I'm like, I'm diving in, trying to say, hey, who the heck is good? And I watched this Baylor versus Houston game on Saturday, and it goes to overtime after uh, a last-second shot by, I think it was shed by Michigan. Just was leaving his fingertips as the clock expired. He nailed a three, but didn't count. Back it up. The refs originally called it good. Uh, the one thing I noticed from this game, two things actually. Baylor, 
they play a one-three-one half-court defense that I'm pretty impressed. Pretty impressed with. I'm going to tell you what teams that they play on a regular basis might be prepared to play against that one-three-one D. But if you haven't faced it, once you get into tournament time, it's tough to go against that type of a zone. I mean, Syracuse did it for years. Uh, and I'll tell you, on the other end of the court, Baylor can shoot the basketball. No doubt about that. It seems they were down by like 18 in the first half when I saw, and they just stormed back in the second half really by making threes, just grinding out, um, you know, playing defense, rebounding. They all box out like crazy. I'm going to tell you, Baylor's a team I haven't uh, thought can win at all, and I guess I'm probably still not there, but technically, boy, they are sound. Baylor's a very good team. On the other side of the court, I mean, Houston ended up winning the game, right? Um, so... The Houston has just incredible athletes, very tough defense. I just think offensively they're going to struggle to score. They had a good job. They did a great job against the 1-3-1 because Shed can penetrate and not turn the ball over pretty much, find the holes. Because if you know how to move the ball on offense against the 1-3-1 zone, you can, I mean, you can find uh, dunk opportunities. And Houston has the athletes to do it. But I think... Other teams that have to go against Baylor's D might be in trouble. Uh, I'm going I'm to say Baylor's a team we got to keep an eye open for. Uh, I will say on Saturday in the afternoon, people out there, guess what I did? This may make some people laugh, but uh, I went to Tampa Bay Downs on West Track. <laughs> you fly down to Clearwater, Florida. You got pretty decent weather. And what do you do? You go to the racetrack. And Tampa Bay Downs, I'm here to tell everybody, it's pretty nice. I could not believe how many people were back in there. It wasn't like a Saratoga type of event. But, I mean, it was maybe half of that. Something like this, there was a, a lot of people dressed up, 20-something-year-olds. The younger kids loved to go out and go to the racetrack, apparently. I thought it was just Saratoga. But down here in Tampa Bay Downs, I mean, when I watched this on simulcasting, it seemed like there's nobody there. But no, no, there was a bunch of people there. Get home from the racetrack, what's on TV? Kentucky. I turn on this college basketball game. Kentucky is up 110-78. to 78. Over Alabama. Kentucky ranked number 17 in the country. Alabama's number 13. And Kentucky is up 110 to 78. And that was with like four and a half minutes left to go in the game. Kentucky ends up scoring 117 points. Alabama finishes with 95. Are you kidding me? The Kentucky Wildcats scored 117 points? That was after they lost earlier in the week. But, I mean, this is a team I've told people in the last three three weeks or so. Kentucky, you got to look up for them. They are a threat to win it all. And when you can put up 117 points in a game against the number 13 team in the country, yikes. That's Kentucky's scary to me. I think that SEC is going to be the story of the tournament. I mean, I just mentioned Baylor. And I do think that, that they're in for, for a good run. Obviously, you know, UConn and maybe even Creighton, although they got upset here after they beat UConn up last week. They got upset yesterday, I think it was. Um, but I think the SEC is just going to have multiple teams in the Final Four and probably three or four of them in the Final Eight. I, I just don't see these other teams in other conferences having the same athleticism that the SEC does. I mean, for instance, let's look at what goes on in the ACC on Saturday, the same day, you're seeing 110, or sorry, 117 to 95. On the other side, 
we got North Carolina beat Virginia 54 to 44. So one conference is playing 117 to 95 games. The other one, the ACC is going 54 to 44. And now we know North Carolina can score. Okay, that, that, so they only scored 54 in this game in, in the tournament. North Carolina is going to be able to score some points, and they're going to play D. So North Carolina is not going to be an easy out. But when you're playing against a team in Virginia who can only score 44 points, I mean, I, I think we could round up me and four other guys out there and get close to 44 against a team in the NCAA. 44 points is almost like a misprint. Are you kidding me? 117 is the winning score of the other game, and this one's 44. Two major conferences with schools that, I mean, are going to be making the tournament and maybe some people think could potentially go all the way, like North Carolina. I know my brother Dave likes a ton, and they're always putting up 54 against Virginia, but guess what? That's all they needed to put up, 10 points. In the, and, I mean, 10 points in a, in a winning effort, 54. That's, that's all you needed to beat Virginia, 44 lousy points. Fast forward Saturday night. Boston Celtics, and for people that don't know, we got the Celtics playing on Tuesday. We've got a three-game homestand coming up Tuesday. We play the 76ers at home. Friday, we play Dallas. Sunday, we play Golden State. Celtics have a seven-and-a-half game lead in the Eastern Conference. My goodness. And Andrew, any way that uh, you would watch the Celtics in the upcoming uh, playoffs, I'm curious here. I've been saying every day how good they are. Is there any way you would watch the Boston Celtics in the playoffs coming up this year? I mean, my, I have a pretty, pretty full plate as it is. Um, I think if they went to a championship, I would watch a championship game for sure. Um, in the finals, but, you would. Yeah, you know, oh yeah. If they, I mean, and here. the last time they went to the finals, I did. But um, yeah, I mean, if they if if they went to the finals for sure, but playoffs, I I may catch like a glimpse of stuff here and there, but that's pretty much the extent of it, to be honest. You'd actively root for the Celtics oh, if they're in sure. the finals. Like, what would your level of engagement be? Would you go out to watch the place any uh, the game anywhere? You know, at a, at a um, watering hole or something like that, or would you just watch from home? I'd probably just pull it up from home here and there and just kind of have it on in the background and just kind of take a look at it here and there. Um, I mean, be able I've to been, chime in. I've grown up, <laughs> I, yeah, to an extent. I mean, enough to be able to chime in and have a, have input on it. Um, but I mean, I mean, I would say I've grown up in a Celtics family. Although ironically, I was more of a Bulls fan growing up. But that's only because I share a birthday with Michael Jordan. So, and that was just the other week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my kid has a uh, calendar of Michael Jordan, and he was like, hey, "Today's Michael Jordan's birthday." So apparently, that was your birthday too. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you need your own calendar or something. <laughs> so. I'm curious. Uh, on top of that, with the, you said you grew up in a Celtics household. Like, what what did that entail? How, much, how often was the game on, or like who was cheering for them? I mean, my dad was not a big sports guy, but the one sport he paid attention to was Celtics because that was like a big deal. Because my grandfather was a basketball guy, so and of course, you know, the big three. You know, you had Larry Bird and you know, and Parrish and you know, uh, McHale. So like, you know, they that that was their thing. Um, so it was on a lot when I was growing up. That way, I mean, it was really like cult-like almost. The, oh, very the Boston much so. Celtics fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The original oh, big three was was why you watched the Celtics. <laughs> definitely was. I mean, those, that was the nineteen eighty six team was probably the greatest NBA team of all time. I mean, the opinions will vary. Everybody's gonna have their own thing. But that nineteen eighty six team, where Bill Walton was coming off the bench, but like you said, it was the big three: Dennis Johnson and Danny Ainge. They were just 
all at the top of their game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely were the best back then, but I think I'd love to see those teams be playing nowadays. It would be so great to watch. I know all basketball fans would. Oh, for sure. So I know we're probably closing in on commercial time. I don't know if we want to run that now or you want me to just start going right into the call letters for us because I, when we come back, I'm going to uh, let everybody know. Well, we, got, we, still got, we still got another maybe like 40 seconds. Okay, good. Before good. I hit so it. I'll preview what's going to go on with the Bruins because so everybody out there knows six out of their last seven games have gone to overtime. I, I, this team is so fun to watch. I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, some we've come out on the short end of a few of these games, and I'm going to go through an exercise I did. I put a bunch of time into this yesterday for you Bruins fans out there to really show how we play against the best teams in the league. And I got news for you just to, um, to foreshadow things. We play very well. Everybody, stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to do a deep dive into the Boston Bruins. We're going to find out if I can maybe even get Andrew to be uh, watching the Bruins games in the playoffs. You're listening to WKXL Radio, the sports machine with Slim, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. New Hampshire Talk Radio, that's the place to be, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. We'll be right back. that i'll tell you something just pure dedication going on here today andrew thank you so much for coordinating stuff back there and me as i sit in i need a choice to, to make i have a room where i could be doing this call and this show from today here in clearwater florida but i'm like the windows are open there's going to be people around i might hear lots of noise out there i don't want to be so loud so uh, my other option is i'll go and sit in the rental car so i choose to sit in the rental car, and we got a great signal here, so it's all working fine, except I'm getting hot. The windows are closed. <laughs> it's the downside of it being 70 degrees and sunny outside is I'm starting to sweat, <laughs> and I don't want to open up the windows because I want it to be a solid radio signal for you people. So I'm going to tough this one out. The dedication level is high. I appreciate everybody out there bearing along with me while I'm on vacation. Tomorrow we've got an in-studio host, and we're going to break down the Bruins game from tonight that will be played against Seattle. Bruins are at Seattle tonight, and we'll talk about that tomorrow and also preview the Celtics game against the 76ers. No Joel Embiid, but I'd imagine the Sixers will come to play because they always do every time we they play the Celtics. Whether or not they're going to win uh, is a different story. Let's dive into the Bruins. I told you I got some, some good stuff. I got, I got nuggets here. And last week I mentioned to somebody on the phone that the Bruins play their best hockey against the best teams. And so I wanted to kind of back up my point. I said, I'm going to do some research. Let's see. Last night, uh, sorry, over the weekend, no, uh, Saturday, the Bruins lose to Vancouver 3-2 to two in overtime. And as I mentioned right before the break, there's six out of seven games for the Bruins, six out of their last seven have gone to overtime. Let's just look how the Bruins have done in the last couple of months against the best teams in the NHL. And when I say the best teams, 
I'm talking about the teams with the most points. So I didn't include Tampa Bay, who I think everybody out there would say, oh, no, you know, Tampa Bay, that's, that's a really good team. Maybe when the playoffs come, they're going to be heard from. But they're not in the top three points getters in the Atlantic Division. So I got four divisions for the NHL. We got the Atlantic, Metropolitan, then out west we got the Central and Pacific. The Bruins lead the Atlantic when I did this up here yesterday. 81 points. Florida's second with 80. Toronto's third with 74. In the Metropolitan, we got the Rangers, 81. Carolina, 73. Philadelphia, 67. Okay? That's in the Eastern Conference here for, for the NHL. This is where the Bruins are going to have to go through. Then out west, where I think most people would say, this is probably where your best teams are. I mean, last year the Vegas Knights won it all. They're out west in the Pacific Division. Vancouver's got 82 points. Vegas has 71. Edmonton, 68. Okay, Central Division, we got Dallas with 78. Winnipeg, 75. Colorado with 75. Casual hockey fans, as I say, those teams are going to listen and go, okay, yeah, you know, those teams are good. Edmonton, Vegas, Vancouver. Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, I don't know Winnipeg, but Colorado I know is usually pretty good. The Rangers, guess what? They're good. They got Jonathan Quick in that. They got 81 points tied with the Bruins, I think, at the top of the uh, Eastern Conference standings. Then the Bruins, Florida, and Toronto were better than in our division. Here's the records for what we've done. I'm going to read the games. We got this game from Saturday at Vancouver, February 24th. Bruins lose 3-2 to two in overtime. February 21st, just backing up, at Edmonton. We win 6-5 to five in overtime. February 19th, at home against Dallas. This was the one McAvoy won in the ninth round of the shootout. Overtime, Bruins win 4-3. to three. February 8th, we play Vancouver at home. Bruins win 4 to nothing. This is a team, 82 points, Vancouver. We beat them 4 to nothing. On January 27th, we went at Philadelphia who's in third place in the Metropolitan. We beat them 6-2. to two. January 24th, we played Carolina, who's second in the Metropolitan Division. We lost 3-2. to two. January 22nd, Winnipeg at home. We beat them 4-1. to one. January 18th, Colorado at home. We beat them 5-2. to two. Are you noticing a pattern? 3-2 to two loss in overtime to Vancouver. 6-5 win, 4-3 win, 4 nothing win, 6-2 win, 3-2 loss, 4-1 win, 5-2 win. In those, those games I just mentioned, two losses. One was in overtime, one was a 3-2 loss to Carolina. Let's back it up even further. January 11th at Vegas, we lose 2-1 in overtime. January 8th at Colorado, we lose 4-3 in a shootout. The one aberration here that I got is December 22nd at Winnipeg, we lost 5-1. to one. That's the one game that we've lost against the 11 best teams in the NHL by more than a goal. Every other game was by one goal, or we lost, in, uh, where most of them was where we lost in overtime. December 16th, the New York Rangers, we lose 2-1 to one in overtime. December 2nd, we win in overtime at Toronto. The Bruins, when we play the best teams, are playing their best hockey. And the fact that they play six out of their last seven games in overtime tells you how competitive the Bruins are. And as Thomas Polk had said on these airwaves back a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, 
He said, well, Jim, you know, in the playoffs, there's no shootouts. And there's no, you know, three-on-three stuff like that where other teams with maybe faster skaters or something can have a little advantage over us because there's more open ice. You got to play five-on-five. Well, that's those penalties. In the playoffs until, you know, the overtime until somebody scores. <laughs> and my guess is, listening to this, these statistics here, six out of seven games have gone to overtime. The, the Bruins are probably going to be playing overtime games in the playoffs. And how much fun are those for people that watch hockey come playoff time of year? Going to overtime? It's like, dude, it's sudden death. Like the, You have all the momentum of the series, or you're totally behind the eight ball based on who scores the next goal. So everybody's on the edge of their seats. We're going to get a season in the playoffs with the Bruins that's going to be insane to watch every game. Either we're going to win or it's going to go to overtime. Like this is, this is how it goes with this team. The games that they lost, I just wrote down how many of these? Five, six, seven, eight. This is 13 games I wrote down for you people. We lost. Yes, we lost. One, two, three, four, five, six of them. So we won seven. We lost six of them. But out of the six, four of them we lost in overtime. This is to the 11 best teams in the league. 11 best teams in the league. 13, how many games did I just say? 13 games we lost one by more than one goal. Four in overtime. And people are worried about the Bruins team. Like, like oh, because last year we folded up in the first round. This is what I'm talking about. Like the, 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 the fake confidence of New England fans. Ditch it, everybody. Send that right out the window. Dude, you, the Bruins team, if you just look at the statistics, this is a team that you can believe in. Now, I know we have some, some, some holes. I mean, everybody's going to say, hey, on defense, we're giving, up, we're giving up too many shots. Some of our defensemen are slow. I agreed. But we got time to make some moves here. And if you look at this guy, Justin Brazers, Brazo or Brazers, I know online people are calling him Brazers. So I think Justin Brazers is probably just the best way to go. He had an assist in the game over the weekend against Vancouver. Real nice play. He's a big dude that's not afraid to mix things up. Like, that's exactly what we needed. A physical big, big forward who can make some plays and get in front of the net or screen-type opportunity. So why can't we pull out a guy or two like that on the defensive side of things, whether it's promoting one guy uh, from Providence or maybe via trade? This is going to happen. So people out there that I mean that are thinking, oh, you know, I can't get invested in the Bruins and they let us down last year, you are missing out, and you're going to be missing out on a ride in the playoffs that you could uh, be calling into the sports machine with Slim and talking about, hey, how awesome that game was last night. The Bruins looked fantastic. Or you could just be not watching and not enjoying the game. So uh, I'm here to continue to tell people this Bruins team has something special going on. Andrew, was that enough of a convincing pitch from me for you to start watching Bruins games? I mean, again... um... My 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 big thing. So like, I I'm a big fan of actually going to games. I love going to games. Like live events are, are are an absolute blast. I used to actually go to Monarchs games on occasion, but the thing I I watch hockey for is the fights. I couldn't tell you anything about what's happening on 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 the ice, but I could tell you I I very much enjoy the fights. 
I think everybody does, and they've really been trying to scale that out of the game, it seems like. There was a good fight for the Bruins. I think it was Thursday or Friday last week. But for the most part, it seems like the NHL just doesn't want the fights anymore. I, I don't know why that is. Would you have any idea why they would try to get that out of the game? No idea, but I do know we're about to go into a commercial. So let's think about that, everyone. Why would the NHL not want to fight it in it when you have someone like Andrew, like who's just telling us, cursory level fan, kind of from the outside, party like that. We're trying to phase it out of the game. Very interesting. Sports Machine with Slim. We take on all topics here on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. Keep it right there, nhtalkradio.com. We're coming back to follow up with some Bruins stuff. Taking it back from commercial with nice transition Bruins. They play tonight, people, at Seattle. What's going to happen with this game? I, I'm i struggling to to know if this is a game that we would want to bet on tonight. The Bruins at Seattle, because we've been on a road trip here, the last three games on the road. This is six out of seven. So tonight we play our fourth game in the road, right, on at Seattle. Then we come home on Thursday to play Las Vegas. And you know the Bruins are looking forward to that. That's the defending Stanley Cup champions right there. I told you, with all the stats I just gave you, Vegas is in second place out in the Pacific Division. They are a team that's, like, not going anywhere. They were much the best last year. And when you're much the best, it's almost like I said earlier with, with Miami. It's just like, you know, once it comes time, then you start to play. You don't really worry about the regular season all that much. Now the Celtics are on a total mission this year on the you know basketball side of things because they just want to keep getting better. And their coach is that type of a driver. Now we will see come playoff time if that mentality that they've had during the regular season can carry over because we know in the playoffs sometimes just standing around and shooting threes ain't as easy as it was during the regular season. And that's one of the topics me and the pistol cover when we do our NBA playoffs preview this coming Friday, but for the Bruins here, Thursday night, you know their focus is going to be on one, I mean, coming back home, but playing Vegas. So tonight, how do they finish up the road trip at Seattle? They've had a, a day off in between. They played Saturday, so we had Sunday off. They're going to be playing tonight. Something tells me the Bruins are going to be focused with the collective effort tonight. And I think we might want to be betting the money that we have in the the sports betting account for the listeners and the sports machine was slim. I think we might want to go all in and put that in on the Bruins tonight to take down Seattle. I'll say that's what's going to happen. Bruins come in and just like the Celtics, we're just going to be beaten up on the teams that aren't as good as us. If we were playing Vegas tomorrow night, I think that would be a little bit of a difference in my mind, but we're playing Vegas Thursday. So it's like, okay, let's play Seattle tonight. It's in and of itself. You're on the road. It's Monday. Take care of Seattle. Keep, you know, get back on the right side of things here after we lost at Vancouver. But it's been a good road trip here. Remember, we add Edmonton. We get the win in overtime. That's nice. Overtime loss it was to Calgary, but we got a point, and then we get the point at Vancouver. Still, this is 
two losses in a row. So the Bruins are going to want to come back and play tonight. That's my my prediction. I don't know what the odds are going to be. I could try and figure it out on the phone, but my guess will be the Bruins are probably a minus 170 favorite. Does that sound right? If you haven't looked yet, what do you think the Bruins would be for a favorite odds tonight against Seattle? I'll say the Bruins are minus 170 on the money line. And as I pull up my DraftKings odds page, I will have the exact odds for you people. We're putting myself to the test. And then we're going to transition so everybody knows into talking some more basketball talk because last night with the NBA, there were some scores and games that I thought were pretty interesting. Boston Bruins are minus 142 on the money line. Much better. I thought minus 170. Minus 142. We'll take those odds. Last night, the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, who on Friday night beat Minnesota at Minnesota, 112 to 107. The Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves had the best record out west. The Bucks go on the road. I think it was their first game after the All Star break. They take down Minnesota, one twelve to one oh seven. Damian Lillard hit a shot with like twelve seconds left. It was one ten one oh seven. And he hit a shot to put him up one twelve one oh seven as the shot clock was going down. So the Bucks beat them and now last night the Bucks take out the seventy sixers, one nineteen to ninety eight. And yes, I know there's no Joel Embiid, but the Bucks maybe, well, you knew this was going to happen, right? Everybody's getting on Dark Rivers, I guess, because the Bucks have lost three games in a row, or maybe they lost a couple of times, three games in a row. They weren't playing well. But that Dark Rivers coming in and messing things up a little bit and not really knowing what to do from an X's and O's standpoint because he's a play-harder type of coach. And the guys that play for him, I think, respect that. But when it comes down to X's and O's, I think through the years here we found Dark Rivers isn't, you know, isn't the best at that side of the business, matchups and stuff. But now he settles in. Damian Lillard goes out to the All-Star game, wins the three-point shooting contest, wins the MVP of the All-Star game award, now comes in, and the Bucks are playing great in the second half. So where do the Bucks slide in here? Slot in. Are the Bucks a team that the Celtics should be afraid of? We know Giannis, I mean, he's done it, and he almost did it single-handedly a couple of years back when Milwaukee won the title. We know he's driven. I say the Celtics have too much talent for Milwaukee, but is that is this just foolish? Like, are we just doing the same thing that we've been doing for four years on the Celtics or that I've been doing, thinking we're the best team? Because I know the Bucks are going to be playing hard. I know the Miami Heat are going to be a different level team. Well, let's look at the other teams. Even in the East last night, the Pacers take out Dallas 133-111. to Now, I'm no Kyrie Irving fan, and I'm no Luka fan, really, either. Although my son does have a Luka Doncic shirt he wears occasionally, and he likes that shirt a lot. Luka and Steph Curry's got those two shirts. Um, but the Pacers take him out 133-111. to The Pacers can score the basketball. We know they've beaten us twice this year. They beat us in the in-season tournament. Now, yes, we did beat them by 40-some-odd points the first time we played them. And I think we beat them somewhat easily the last time we played them, too. But 
the Pacers. Look out in the East for them. You're starting to see the separation in the in the NBA. The teams that are real good, they're going to start to turn it on, like the Celtics have after the break, like the Bucks have, like Miami Heat did after the fracas there the other night when Jimmy Butler got grabbed around the neck by that dude. Interesting to see. And Jimmy Butler after the game, we'll beat them next time we play them too. <laughs> Just like we're better than them. That type of confidence, that's playoff confidence, baby. And I hope the Celtics have it. I got a text the other day from a friend of mine saying, hey, is it just me? Or, like, I'm, this guy, Missoula, is really starting to grow on me, the head coach of the Celtics. It's like, I'm starting to like his attitude, the tough guy, this and that. And I texted him back and said, well, I don't really think it's a good idea for your coach to be, like, the toughest guy on your team because he can't really impact things out on the court. And that's the worrisome part of this for me is the Celtics. I don't know, like, who their emotional leader when times get tough, who's going to be the guy to raise their voice in the huddle and get everybody's respect and say, you know, get a bonding opportunity for everyone to raise their level of intensity. And if you watch on the court, the two games post-All-Star break for the Celtics, I will say it's then Jalen Brown. Like He had 20 points in the first half against the Knicks, and he's just doing stuff out there like with the, you're too small. He's doing these eyeglasses things. He's flexing. Jalen Brown, haven't you noticed everybody? He's doing a lot more of that in these last two games. And he's scoring a bunch of points to go along with it. Now, that's the type of attitude, right, that can be like, that can carry over where you just have this level of confidence. Maybe it's over, uh, you know, indulged or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't have that level of confidence. I mean, I was looking at my TV the other night and go, dude, do it against the best teams. Like, do it against good teams. Jalen Brown is kind of the opposite of the Bruins. When we play against the best teams, Jalen Brown kind of disappears. But maybe there's a switch going on here. Maybe from the All-Star festivities with him doing the dunk contest. Because he's shooting threes like crazy. And he's putting up points. You know who else is putting up points? I saw Nikola Jokic last night. He had something like 35 points, like 16 rebounds, 10 assists, something like this. Nuggets beat the Warriors 119 to 103. And that's a Golden State Warriors team that I think had won 8 out of 10. Nuggets just going to beat them down. Now, in basketball, we all know, hey, one game is one offs here and there. I'm, I'm going to tell you, as a preview to the NBA preview show we do on Friday, <laughs> my pick to come out of the West right now. I think it's the Golden State Warriors. I really do. I, I think they're long odds. I think there's something like 19 to 1 to come out of the West. And I, I do think also that they've lost all four games to the Nuggets, if I read that correctly. I think they got swept in the season series. But two of those games, Draymond Green didn't play. And Clay Thompson is now coming off the bench. And it takes a while to learn how to come off the bench and have that role. He had a game the other night where he was putrid, shot like one for nine from three. But. He, he had a game last night where he had 20 at halftime or something like that. That's all for us so, today. Well, there you go, Andrew. Thank you very much. That'll take us out. Very good to do it on the Golden State Denver Nuggets. So we'll be back tomorrow with some in-host studio or in-studio hosting of the Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 
FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Have a good day out there, everybody.